Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You might be familiar with the old story about a uh, soldier who uh, jumped into a foxhole one day in the heat of a battle. And there uh, on the ground, lying in the dirt next to his feet, he sees a, a silver cross that had evidently been led there by some other comrade. And so with fear consuming him and the sound of the battle all around him, he picks up the cross, looks at the guy next to him and says, how do you use this thing? <laughs> uh, well, last week, in case you weren't here, we spent some time talking about uh, Jesus' parable, the wise and foolish builders in the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, a message about the importance of building your life on the foundation of God's promises so that you will be left standing whenever the storm comes in or you find yourself in the heat of a battle that rocks your world like a hurricane or like a tragic loss in your life. And uh, this week, as we gather, uh, assuming that you kind of got that message, I want to spend some time uh, taking the whole thing a little further, another step further, and talking with you uh, about just exactly how we use this thing called the Bible, otherwise known as the Word of God. Uh, but before I dig into that, I, I think uh, that you all know that there are times when people will come to you and uh, they will ask you to give them some words. Uh, not necessarily the words of Scripture, but, but your words. And it may be uh, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that you work with, might be a member of your family, and uh, they are facing the need to resolve a conflict that they have with somebody, or uh, maybe they want to help somebody in their life through a hard time, and, and they'll describe the situation to you in great detail, and then they'll look at you and say, so tell me what to say. Give me some words, and you will do your best to give them words that will help them go on. Uh, from the day I was ordained, and frankly before that, I think uh, the title of uh, this morning's message is uh, one of my most frequently prayed prayers. Give me the words. Walking down the driveway, give me the words. Riding the hospital elevator, give me the words. Make my words your words and not my own. Show me how to work this thing. And so with that said, uh, what I want to do for the next few minutes is just give you some very basic, very practical ideas for working the Word of God into your life for its foundation and building and for the blessing of people around you. And the first suggestion uh, is really, you know, kind of obvious, and it is, shut the TV off. <laughs> Put the smartphone down, get off the grid, clear out the cobwebs, and start to find out what's in that thing called the Word of God. Unless, of course, you have a Bible app on your phone or your PC, that's fine. Uh, but the point of it all is, is that God has already given us his words. They're already right there. They're right in front of us. But it's also true that the Bible is not a, it's not a Ouija board, you know, where you go and you get an, an immediate answer to the question that you 
might have, because the Bible doesn't tell us every single thing, but it does, on the other hand, tell us enough. It tell us, tells us everything that we need to know about who God is and how he sees us and what the purpose and the future of our life looks like in him. It's just like any other relationship. You want to be close to somebody? You've got to listen to what they have to say to you and not just go around doing all the talking. And so, you know, I'm talking about starting out by doing some very simple things like, you know, maybe just memorizing the 66 books of the Bible, which really isn't that difficult so that you can begin to navigate your way to places like 1 Corinthians 13, knowing that that means it's the 13th chapter of the first of two letters to St. Paul to the church in the ancient city of Corinth, or that Genesis means beginning, or Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, or that a gospel means good news, and the, and the four gospels are actually biographies of Jesus, according to four different people, named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or that Acts is short for Acts of the Apostles, and it's the story or the history of the uh, early church, and so on, and so on, and so on. Or, you know, maybe you want to fork over for what is called a study Bible, in case you never heard of that, because it also gives you additional information about what's in each of those books of the Bible, who wrote it, why, under what circumstances, and then uh, there are other notes uh, under some of the verses to explain them even more fully, so that you don't end up like the kid you know, who shows up at confirmation class and the, and the teacher says, okay, what are the first three words of the Bible? And his hand shoots up and he says, genuine Morocco leather. The teacher said, I think it's in the beginning. <laughs> and so just start navigating your way around it. You know, get to know it. Get comfortable, familiar with it. And then just start going deeper. You know, word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Don't get hung up on the things that you don't immediately understand. And if something really stumps you, Oh, Pastor Miller. <laughs> but also make sure that you stop and you savor every word, every phrase, every verse, every chapter, every story that puts a tear in your eye, that puts a lump in your throat, that makes you think of the presence and goodness of God in your life as you imagine Jesus blessing the children, including your child, crying with your friends, his friends, including our friends. You might want to get a pen and you might want to circle that verse or that chapter or highlight it or underline it or, you know, draw, or draw some sort of a picture or write a note up in the margins because the Bible is not a trophy up for the shelf. It is, it is the living words that God has for us. Uh, our daughter Lauren was home for the summer and uh, she said to me one day, hey, how do I read the Bible? And I said, well, you know, a lot of different ways to do that, but I ended up giving her uh, what's known as a one-year Bible, which has uh, three readings from three different parts of the Bible uh, for each day of the year. And you read these three readings every day, and at the end of the year, you've read the entire Bible. Well, that works good for some people, may not work for 
others quite as well. By the way, uh, Lauren actually worked at a bookstore uh, last summer as well, and she came home from work one day and she said, you're not gonna believe this. The most frequently stolen book out of a bookstore is the Bible. I said, well, you know, that's really interesting. You know, but the upshot is that if the person who stole the Bible reads the Bible, then they'll return the Bible. Uh, and the point of that is that the better you know the words, then the better you know the God. And the better able you will be to work those words into your life, into your circumstances, into your behavior, and into those moments when somebody wants you to give them words that will help them to go on. And so, you know, when somebody wants to know, you know, why there's so much pain and why there's so much evil in this world, you may not be able to answer that question completely, but won't it be great to know Lamentations 3, which says that God will not will the suffering or the grieving of his children. Or Luke 17, where Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of God, it's not at a place that you can point to. The kingdom of God is within you. It's in here where nobody can kill it. Nobody can destroy it. Or in John chapter 16, when he says very clearly to his followers, you know, in this world, you've got trouble. But in me, you have peace. When Patty and I first got to uh, Baltimore, more than 30 years ago now, you know, there are no smartphones. There were no cell phones. I don't think there were cordless phones uh, back then. There were no nav systems. There was no GPS, no MapQuest, none of that stuff in 1986. And so when I got to my first congregation, what they gave me was this great big giant sized book of maps depicting the various parts of the city of Baltimore. And I will tell you that I wore that book out. Finding my way through this community to which God has called me and navigating from place to place, you know, page 18, letter D, number seven, that's where I wanna go. But I also will tell you that as time went on, the more I used that map, that book, the less I needed it. Not because it had outlived its usefulness, not because it came, became irrelevant, but because more and more of what was there got in here. So even when I didn't have the thing in my hand, I could navigate, I could know where to go to bring good news and shine light into the darkness in the world. Now, I'm not telling you by that that you should ever stop reading the Bible. Because as I said many times before, you know, the, deeper, uh, the, the deeper you dig, the deeper it gets, and that is true. But I'm also saying to you that as St. Paul said it in his words, it's possible to let the word of Christ dwell within you richly so that you can navigate through the changes and the chances and the challenges and the heartaches of this world, even if you don't have this thing 
in your hand because what's in it made its way from there to here to here. And so there are other things that I could tell you, uh, you know, about how to work this thing called the Word of God, too, and how, uh, you know, in its pages there are uh, stories, there are figures of speech, there are parables, there are metaphors, there are hyperboles, and there are even exaggerations so that you really don't have to pluck your eye out if it offends you, even though Jesus said to do that, but you may have to get rid of something in your life in order to be closer to God. Or you might find that one part of the Bible says, don't do this. And then another part of the Bible says, no, it's okay that you can do that. And that's because Jesus Christ is the center of all the scriptures. And he has freed us from laws and rules that only create shame and fear before God about who we are. You might want to be careful about how you use the scripture so that you don't misuse it as some people misuse the scriptures by quoting certain passages out of their wider context and in doing so they can alter or change or misrepresent the intended meaning of that passage and so you know on my very last Sunday in that church in Baltimore I told my senior pastor who with whom I had been serving that I was going to preach that day on Genesis 22 5 which says, you stay here with the ass and I'll go over yonder and pray. <laughs> King James Version. He didn't think that was a good use of the scripture. <laughs> and so I changed it to a passage about being thankful for our partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, last summer, I took a course in the Psalms, as uh, I may have mentioned to uh, some of you, and, uh, you know, they include this beautiful poetry, you know, that is just so comforting to us. But it also includes others in which people just let God have it, and they say to him, you know, where were you? Why did you turn your back on me? When are you going to come back and kill my enemies? Well, the guy who taught that course looked at us and he said, now don't you guys be going back to your congregations and apologizing for those people. That's how they felt. And that's what makes this thing real. And you've got people in your communities, you know, who need to connect with those kinds of feelings because that's how they feel. That's what they're going through right now. All you got to do is remind them that all 150 of those psalms were written in the context of the fact that God was God. And all of those writers were crying out to somebody they absolutely believed in. And then, you know, I would also say to you that, you know, while it, it, it is often a very, very good thing to be able to quote chapters and verses, I realize that not all of us are good at that. I'm not very good at that. But that it can also be very powerful and very effective to put God's words into your words. And just let them roll out of your personality, whatever that is. And let them roll into the relationship that you have with the person that you're talking to in the context of whatever situation that might be. So that you can say, you know, this is terrible, but you know, there's nothing that can happen that will change the fact that God loves us. There's, there's nothing that separates us from God. God's love is stronger than death. That's in the Bible. 
or in whatever way you are led to give them his words. And so a few moments ago, uh, we heard this rhetorical question, not from the Gospel of Matthew, of course, but from the Gospel of John, where Jesus is teaching away in the synagogue at Capernaum on the shores of uh, Galilee, and uh, the wider context of the portion that you heard is one in which he's telling them, you know, he's the bread of life, and he, he says that over and over in a variety of different ways, and, and then it picked up where Pastor Miller read, and, and some of the people who were listening to that said, you know, wow, this is a hard teaching. It's hard to accept, not to understand, but to accept. Why? Because, you know, they may have been thinking, uh, you know, about their ancestor Moses, who brought them bread from heaven in the wilderness. And they really saw Jesus as kind of another Moses, you know, going to bring him some more bread from heaven. But Jesus wasn't saying, I'm going to bring you bread. Jesus was saying, I am the bread. I'm your life. I'm everything. And I'm with you forever. And some people just had a hard time accepting the idea of putting Jesus all the way up there with Moses, much less far above him. And so they said, this is hard teaching, not to understand, but accept. And so they walked away from him. And that's when he stops the teaching and he turns to his closest followers and he asks one of the most important questions that could be, ever be asked of you, and that is, you gonna leave? And then Peter, the spokesman of course, responds with that great rhetorical question that we so often use to greet the gospel here in our worship. Where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna go? You have the words of life. You are the bread. You are everything. You are the Holy One of God. I cannot uh, speak for the rest of you, but I can certainly tell you that my discovery and use of the words that he gives us is still very much a work in progress. And it is far from over. But what I can also tell you today, without a doubt in my mind or in my heart, is that the word of life is doing its work. In the storm and in the heat of the battle. And we are not going to walk away from it. We are going to lean hard into it for the hope of our life, and we're gonna build on it as we support each other and love each other and comfort each other and bring hope to the world through the grace and the truth and the power of his word and its ability to help us go on for the glory of God. And for that, you have his word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.